Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Double Play Podcast. I'm Jack Smith, joined today by my masterful co-host, Ryan Donahue. Ryan, how's it going? It's going good. Uh, had some more club baseball games I mentioned in the last video. The results still aren't there, but I was barreling up balls. I was happy with it. Got a lot of plays in the field. So we got another one coming up next weekend. So that and then MLB The Show came out, been grinding that. That's been my entire weekend this past weekend, just grinding MLB The Show. And uh, I got this cool jersey behind me, the Seager Dodgers jersey. He got it for 50 bucks because it's on sale because obviously he's a he's on another team now. But we don't talk about that. But uh, yeah, it's been a good week. It's been a while. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Maybe less games on the show and more time in the cage or, you know, taking mental reps would be good for your your results in club baseball. Well, I, I'm getting my mental reps through tracking balls in the show. Through the show. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And, so you, and, you know, with the barrels, you're more of like a stat cast darling. Your expected stats would be higher than your results. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, uh, that's, that's pretty good. Um, my week's been good. It's been kind of living it up here in LA. Went out uh, yesterday to Grand Central Market. Got some pretty good pasta. I was like, I'm, I was mad because I didn't know we were going to go until night. And in the morning I had a breakfast burrito and at lunch I had Mexican food. And so like, I know if I'm going somewhere out in LA, like you should get tacos or Mexican food or something like that. But I just had it for both meals. It's a mistake. I won't make the next time I go, but it was still good. Got to go to USC football practice yesterday. Um, been, been pretty busy, but I've been really enjoying it. We've been putting out a lot of content on TikTok and Instagram too. So if you're not following, make sure you'll follow there because we're super active during the week and it's uh, plug. it's really fun. Yeah, exactly. A plug. But also there's been a lot of baseball news. Uh, you know, we've got spring training wrapping up yep. and a whole lot of stuff going on. Uh, in this episode, we're going to go through some of our quick hitters. It's a packed quick hitters today. Then we're going to get into our off-season winners and losers, uh, both teams and players. And then we're going to finish it off with top five, our segment that we started last week. And this week it's going to be top five must draft fantasy players relative to their average draft position. Do you want to get us started though with the quick hitters? Cause like I said, it is a loaded quick hitters this week. Yeah. We'll start it off with the guys who are on the move. And uh, the first one back, we'll talk about this. Pujols is back with the Cardinals where it all started one year, 2.5 million. And he did say it is his last year. So uh, what are your thoughts? Pujols back to St. Louis. It just feels right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you couldn't have written a better story. I think him coming back to the Cardinals is exactly what people thought uh, with saying Andrew McCutcheon would resign with the Pirates. It's just, that's the Jersey they're meant to be. And that's Albert Pujols was made to be a Cardinal. I'm glad he's going to end his career with them. And, you know, he's still, he's still a very serviceable baseball player. We saw what he did last year with the Dodgers against left-handed pitching. And now with the DH spot in the NL, uh, he's a weapon uh, in that lineup. (laughs) I think he's going to, he needs 21 to get 700. And I, I'm going to say it right now. I think he gets it. He had 17 last season. And I mean, the season started off not so great with the angels, but he played well for the Dodgers, but all he needs is 17. And I think which with his farewell tool with the DH in the NL now, I think he'll, he'll definitely have his chances to get to 21. And I think he gets it. And uh, yeah, as for a hit being his last year, um, we haven't had a farewell tour in a long time. So it's going to be nice to see that around him going up, getting his gifts before games. But uh, it'll be good to, good to see. It's glad, I'm glad he's back with the Cardinals. It makes sense. And uh, hopefully he gets that 700. Yeah, the last one that I really remember, and it's because it was kind of like close to me, was the the Bruce Bochy farewell tour. But that's, that's a manager, not a player. So it's really not the same. And so I'm, I'm glad that we're going to get one. Just another thing that'll make this this season even better. 
The other move that we had was this morning, uh, Sean Manaya traded to the Padres for prospects. Oh boy. Uribiel Angeles and Adrian oh, Martinez uh, for Sean Manaya and Aaron Holiday. Your thoughts on the trade, the Padres bolster a rotation that while they've got a lot of arms also has a lot of questions. Yeah, they've had some health questions in recent years, so it's good to add that depth for the Padres. And uh, I mean, their rotation looks good now. I'm let's see if I remember all of them. You uh, Darvish at the top, Paddock, Snell, uh, Mike Clevenger, and and now Shamanaya. That's a good five. That's a very solid five. And Shamanaya, he'll. I mean, if he's a four or five in that rotation, he's a great. Oh, Joe four Musgrove too, by the way. I think Joe, Joe Musgrove. Musgrove might even be the ace of that rotation. Joe, yeah, that, I, that's a name I forgot. He'll he'll be the one or two with you, Darvish, but uh, yeah, that's a that's a good rotation. That's six guys right there. Maybe Paddock probably goes to the bullpen, but uh, that's a good rotation. And I know they're they are looking to make noise here. And when they get Tatis back, maybe they can make a run. Definitely for the playoffs, I'd say. But who knows? Maybe even the division if they get catch fire. And there's been rumors of a Padres trade involving Eric Hosmer to the mm-hmm. Mets. And I think Paddock's a name that's been thrown around as well. The, uh, the Padres may be looking for Dom Smith in return. So if Paddock's on the outs, that could be where he's going. And after injuries to Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer, which was one of the next things we're going to talk about, it could be a good move for the Mets. Uh, DeGrom had a stress reaction in his scapula or scapula. He's been shut down for at least a month from throwing. So not even like he's going to miss a month worth of the season. It's going to be more than that. Cause then he'll have to resume throwing and then ramp up to pitch in real MLB games, which we saw was tough for him last year. And Scherzer banged up a bit too. He, uh, it's a hamstring injury. He might not pitch opening day, but it's still up in the air with him. It just sucks to see, uh, especially for Mets fans because they had last year, DeGrom was just on this war path and taken down by injuries. We thought we were going to get a healthy season and it's already a big blow. Mets going to met. And, uh, you had your, uh, the division pick that's winning that's not looking too good now, but uh, I was told by you, I'm not allowed to change it. So you're not allowed to change it. I'll, I'll take the L on the DeGrom Cy Young. Who knows? Maybe he comes back has an insane two thirds of a season, but sucks for Mets. Obviously that one, two punch that we thought was going to be so great. Now it's not going to start the season together, but I think DeGrom getting hurt now might be good for the Mets and might be good for DeGrom because if he's hurt for maybe two months, that could mean he's able to stay healthy the rest of the year. And then I'll help him in the second half. Maybe he'll be as insane as the first half last year and help the Mets make a, a playoff push and hopefully make a run for them in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, still, you never want to see a player get injured, but oh, yeah, no, you're right. Course. Maybe, maybe there's a silver lining, silver lining yeah. but it opens up the door for the Braves specifically. And also the Phillies. I mean, there's a way that the Phillies can, from our predictions backdoor their way into the playoffs. If the Mets have to be without to ground for a while and without Scherzer for a bit too, that's kind of the strength of this team already taking a big cut before opening day. So sucks to see for the Mets. It's going to be an interesting battle though, in the NL East. And one of the other, the last kind of on the move was a trade between the Chicago White Sox and the, your Los Angeles Dodgers, Craig Kimbrell traded to the Dodgers straight up for AJ Pollock. I think we have slightly differing opinions on this trade, I'm curious to see what you think. Yeah, I made a TikTok about all my thoughts about it. So you can go follow down below. Check that check that one out. But uh, I think it's good. I, I, I'm it's good for both teams. It looks a little worse now for the White Sox after uh, Garrett Crochet probably needs Tommy John now because 
I mean, they had an arm to probably get rid of in that bullpen. Like they had room for that. And Kimbrel was that. Now that they lose crochet, you lose another piece. That's still going to be a great elite bullpen, but it won't be what we thought it would be. But they get Pollock. If the White Sox had any questions, it was a corner outfield spot. And now him, Eloy Jimenez, and uh, Luis Robert, Robert is going to be, they're going to be, that's going to be a great outfield now. Pollock will have more consistent playing time. And uh, as for the Dodgers, it opens up that left field spot for Chris Taylor, Gavin Lux to play more consistently. It opens up uh, a spot for prospect Andy Pius, who will probably come up next year, 2023, if he contributes right away. And Muncie can now play a little second if Gavin Lux and Chris Taylor aren't there as much. And as for the bullpen, the bullpen's great again. They lost out on Kenley. But they get rid of Pollock's contract and add Kimbrel's. Not that the Dodgers really care about contracts, it seems like sometimes, but they add to the bullpen. You replace, I mean, right now the Dodgers really, or before the trade, the Dodgers didn't really have a set ninth inning guy. It was probably be Trinan and Gratterall for most of the time. But now you have Kimbrel there. It moves everyone up. And it fills a need that the Dodgers had was starting pitching in kind of a way that they address it through the bullpen. And now getting another arm, like I said, it moves everyone else up. And now you don't have to ask guys like Tony Gonsolin and uh, Andrew Heaney and Dustin May when he comes back to go six innings every time because you have an extra bullpen arm that you can get that done with. Yeah, I think that makes sense. The only problem I had is I just didn't think it moved the needle quite that far for the Dodgers because they develop bullpen arms like at, at, at a super high clip. You look at what they've made out of guys like Alex Vestia and Joe Kelly and a lot yeah, of but, other names that they've... Yeah, but those, those guys were never a Kimbrel... Like, right, they, but I think they I develop mean, guys into be serviceable bullpen arms, but Kimbrel's an elite, elite bullpen arm. That's true. He just has not been as good as a closer as he has been as a late inning relief guy. So I think I might still prefer Trinan in the closing role. I'd love to see him get another chance. I think he's got some of the best stuff in the league, one of the hardest relievers to hit. So it'll be an interesting to see what they do there. I don't know if they'll immediately slot Kimbrel in, but it, yeah, I just felt like it didn't make the biggest needle push and getting rid of Pollock, who was supposed to be you know, an almost an everyday bat for them. I think it just diminishes the super, the super team aspect a little bit, which is something we mentioned earlier in the off season. I, I still think, I don't know. I, I think I'm up in the air with it. It's, it's a move that if the Dodgers like what they, what they got back, then sure. I, I guess I, I understand. I just didn't think it moved the needle all that much looking from the outside from the white Sox. I liked it up until Garrett crochet went down uh, probably having to get Tommy John because now that's, I mean, you're losing Kimbrel and Crochet from that bullpen. It's, I thought the bullpen was elite. I thought it was maybe the reason why I was going to have them going so far. I probably got to take off a couple wins now because Kimbrel and Crochet are, are have the ability to be elite late inning arms and one lefty, one righty to going down from your bullpen. It's, it's just a tough blow. They, they did add Kendall Graveman and uh, Joe Kelly. So, I mean, those aren't as great, but it'll, it'll fill the role that, so the bullpen will look similar to last season with maybe a little less, but they'll still be a great team. Fill the corner outfield. But yeah, I think they'll be a great team. And uh, getting into our other quick hitters. First one we're going to do, the Nationals revealed their City Connect uniforms. And we haven't talked about this. I don't know your opinions. You don't know mine. But uh, City Connect jerseys right away. Let's talk about the debut schedule first. So the Nationals were on April 9th. And then next will be Astros, then Royals, Rockies, Angels, Brewers, and Padres that's the schedule through through like mid-July so let's show them the uniforms I think for YouTube the uniform will be on the screen yep but Jack what are your thoughts on the uniform so yeah so they moved the Nationals up it said April 9th they ended up moving them up but 
They're gray uniforms. That, that's the that's the on field debut schedule. So oh, like that's okay, when they yeah, first yeah, wear them. You're right. They're gray uniforms. They're like a not a dark gray, but a, a muted like, almost dark like a gray. charcoal. Yeah, almost a charcoal with white text with the kind of a, a pinkish salmon outline, and then these just the beautiful cherry blossoms uh, to represent DC. I think I think they're gr- I would say they're good. I don't think they're great. I wish they were white uniforms with the gray text and more of the cherry blossom on it. Cause right now it's just kind of a little bit under the left pectoral area. And then there's some on the hat as well. And I don't think we've seen the back of the uniform yet, but the gray is just kind of a weird uniform color for baseball. I still like them. I think that they kind of middle of the pack as to the ones I like, I like them more than I like the giants. I think I like them more than I like the Cubs ones. I don't know. I, I was a big fan of the Diamondbacks ones last year. I think they, I probably had them third after obviously going white or uh, Marlins and White Sox is my two favorite. I think these slot in in the middle. I think they're a good alternate uniform. Could they be better? Yeah, I think so. If I, if you went white uniform, gray text, and then more of the cherry blossom, but I still like them. Sounds like we need to do a new top five, just an episode ranking uniforms after this. I, I think we should do a tier list. I think we should get together, do a tier list for a video. I like that. All right, let us know. Well, if you let, guys us know want let us know if you yeah, exactly. Let us know if you guys like that. But uh, I I am also a big fan of them. I love the White Sox, obviously, and the Marlins, but I'm a big fan of these uniforms. And I told Jack I have opinions. It kind of left it ominous, but yeah. I like these jerseys. They look good. They didn't try and do too much, they kept it simple. I like the cherry blossoms. I think they look good. But yeah, that's I mean, I'm not I don't know how else to you said it great. You really dove into the analysis of the uniform here. I'm a huge uniform person. I, I, I like to analyze uniforms. The hats are cool too, because they've got the cherry blossoms on the hat. It's a little weird mm-hmm. because it's it's asymmetrical, which is something yeah. you kind of never really see on the front of a hat, but it's got the W. I think that I think the the hat looks good. I, I honestly wouldn't mind them wearing a W as a kind of logo on a hat more often because it's a good font too. I, I I'm a big fan of these jerseys. I'm curious though, uh, of the ones that we are going to get this year, uh, Nationals, Astros, Royals, Rockies, Angels, Brewers, Padres, which are the couple you're most excited for? I actually think a lot of these can be good. I think the Rockies will be something really cool they could do with the Colorado Rockies, the mountains. Yeah, because they, and they've got the best, they have, I think, some of the best colors in the league and they just don't use them. They, uh, the uniform has to be purple or it's a failure. I think those can be really good. I think the Royals can make something good, maybe like a baby blue type thing. I think that could look good. Those are the two I'm probably most excited for. The Brewers, maybe some like throwback type style. We kind of saw their their current uniforms are like a throwback with like a new modern touch on them. So I like them. I think the Brewers could be good, but Rockies and Royals, those two I think can be really good. Yeah, I think of all the uniforms in the league, the Brewers and Padres have some of my favorites, especially the rebrands that they've done, the colors, their cream uniforms, and the Padres, the kind of dark tan pinstripe ones. Those uniforms are beautiful. But as like a city, I just don't think of many things that you can... For Milwaukee and San Diego, like I know Milwaukee, like you would go with beer, but they're already the Brewers. And I don't really know if that's the path that they're going to go. I think that the Angels if they do some kind of like theme park style jerseys, I don't know how you would do it, but like Disney. maybe like a white Ferris wheel or a roller coaster going around like the socks or something like that. And something else might be interesting. <laughs> You're right. The Rockies, I think they've got a lot to play off of the Royals and the Astros though are, are also two that I'm 
I could be excited for Houston if they're going for like a, a full on like NASA style with being in Houston or if Kansas City pulls out a barbecue jersey, that would be insane. But I mean, we're talking about the Nationals so to stay in the analyst here. Our next, our next quick hitter, the MLB has been posting stuff like who who do you guys think will win the divi- each division? They were on the NLEs, and I thought this was really funny. They're like, who will win the NLEs? The NLEs is absolutely stacked. And Juan Soto comments, Nats, 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 woo! And Ronald Acuna responds to that comment and goes, no I chance, which means there is no chance, which is, I thought that was great. Two stars in the NL East kind of interacting with each other on the MLB social media, which was really funny to see to me. I was just scrolling through Instagram. I see Juan Soto comment. I click, I see Ronald Acuna comments, and they're like, Get a little like back and forth in the comments is funny. Yeah, I think that uh, Juan Soto should just be happy with some good looking city connect jerseys. Just not expecting a, a NL East championship for the Nationals this oh. year. Maybe a couple years down the line when they get him some talent. But uh, I, I don't think I, I don't think Ronnie Boy is wrong on no, that. I, one. No, I no eye chance. There no eye chance that the Nationals <laughs> win this year. Um, but yeah, that's all we got for quick hitters. This offseason, it's pretty much coming to an end. We're going to try and get this episode and another episode out before opening day, but we're pretty much going to be done with offseason content after this episode. So we're going to go with our winners and our losers. So winners, I mean, it's kind of going to encompass trades and hires and signings and, and everything like that, extensions, all that. So we decided to collaborate on a list, go through some winners, go through some losers. To start off with winners, we divided it into categories. The first category was some bottom teams from last year going all in that encompasses the twins, the Rangers and the Tigers, which one of these you want to talk about first. Let's get to the Rangers right away. Cause Seager is on the move. He is, he has arrived. He is doing well this spring, but uh, Seager, Seager and Simeon, and I had those as winners, like in their own right, like separate from the Rangers being winners because they got huge contracts, long-term deals. So the Rangers get Seager and Simeon, which is, probably the best middle infield combo in, in the MLB. And they also signed John Gray. It helps their pitching. They get they got Mitch Garver. That's a good catcher. And Cole Calhoun will be a good outfielder for them. And I think they're definitely a winner this offseason. And uh, it'll be very interesting to what they do this year. I, they're definitely not a playoff team this year, I don't think. And But it'll be interesting to do what they do next offseason to, to try and become a playoff team. Or, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, I think they really raised their floor and their ceiling simultaneously with these signings. I think Seager is uh, is a huge floor raiser. Same with Simeon. Um, And they also got guys that can go out. And John Gray was one of the guys pegged as maybe the breakout pitcher from this free agency. Someone who can take a Robbie Ray type leap. Not saying he's going to win a Cy Young, but a lot of people thought that if he went out of Colorado, he could take a big jump. They got him. Mitch Garver, I I really like. I I thought that was a sneaky move. And Cole Calhoun you know what you're going to get from Cole Calhoun. You're going to stick him in the outfield. Some have some of the best defense in the league and he's a solid bat. So I really liked what the Rangers did this off season. They're absolutely a winner. They handed out some big contracts, but those guys are going to be there for a while. And when this great farm system starts to come up, you get guys like Jack Leiter coming up. It's going to be a great team. The twins were the next one. Like I said, one one more thing about the Rangers. I mean, those guys, Seager, Simeon, those are stars. They'll put, they'll put butts in seats for games and, uh, Mm -hmm. I think that that'll that's good for them. At the very least, they'll get some more fan a stronger fan base with those guys. Because when you sign them to long term deals, people will become more attached to them versus like short term guys who you know, all right, they're going to be gone in a few years. But yeah, go ahead, you can get into the Twins now. Yeah, I mean, speaking of short term guys, 
the Twins made one of the more shocking moves of the offseason. They brought in Carlos Correa. We've talked about the Twins a lot. We weren't sure why they made a lot of these moves, but like we'd be stupid to not call them winners because they absolutely improved. They, they signed Correa to a short-term deal that could be three years, could be one year, could be two years. We don't know. They also extended Byron Buxton. I thought they got a pretty fair price on that as well. And then they got guys like Gary Sanchez, Gio Urshela, and Sonny Gray. So they definitely improved from a team last year that that really struggled out of, out of nowhere almost. Um, but they, I think they did a lot that they can bounce back this year and contend at least for the playoffs. So absolutely, they're winners. They were a team, yeah, like you said, very surprising last year that they 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 were last in their division after winning it for a few years in a row. And I think what they saw is they were disappointed with last season and they felt like they had a window. They, they kind of had a window that they were one of the better teams in the AL for a while and couldn't really do much. So maybe they were disappointed with that and they go out and they made moves. And you mentioned the Buxton extension. I, I thought that was, he. they might've underpaid for him. I, I don't remember the exact terms of the deal, but I remember being shocked when it came out. Cause like we said, we think that's a guy who can be an MVP, MVP candidate. So maybe for the games he played, it was a fair price, but I think that's a guy who, when he's at his best, that'll be a, that'll look back and it'll be very, one of the very much better contracts that they handed out and Correa short term. It'll be interesting. I don't know. Maybe they try and make a push for him. If he decides to opt out to sign him long-term, if they like him there, but it'll be interesting. Gary Sanchez, Giro, Shella, Sonny Gray, three great pieces to make the team better for sure. Kind of similar to the John Gray, Mitch Garver, Cole Calhoun, like not like big names, but they'll definitely help your team over the course of a 162 game season. Yeah. And they did a good job to alleviate some cap problems too. And they really, I mean, they, they kind of fleece the Yankees. They use the Yankees to take on contracts so that they could sign Carlos Correa, who the Yankees were actively going after yeah. as well. So <laughs> um, definitely the twins are winners. They did give up some guys. Like we said, we, we didn't really like how they gave up chase Petty for Sonny gray, but they got yeah. better right now. So I still consider them winners. And the last team is the, the tigers, Javier Baez, Eduardo Rodriguez. I think those are two very good moves that, you know, they're not at the same level as bringing in Seager, Semyon, John Gray, or Correa, Buxton, Sonny Gray. But Javier Baez, Eduardo Rodriguez, I think are two good pieces for the Tigers. And I'm glad they kind of didn't bite too quickly on Carlos Correa, give him this super massive long-term contract. I think they got better value with Javier Baez, especially if he can walk at the rate that he did with the Mets. The, the Tigers definitely improved this offseason, and I think they're more preparing for the years coming. We saw Torkelson made the opening day roster, but then Riley Green will come up, Casey Mize, um, one other Tigers pitching, young, young pitcher I'm forgetting. But that's a good team in a few years that could maybe make some noise in that division. And I think the Tigers, they're preparing for the future. And Javi Baez and Eduardo Rodriguez, those are two guys that will help you in the future because, I mean, they're still relatively young. So you can keep them for a while. And when your prospects come up, they can be a playoff contending team, I think, within the next two, three years. Especially because I think this is one of the weaker divisions in baseball. The White Sox are the clear favorites, but then 
I think the Guardians and the Twins don't have quite the future that the Tigers can have. So I think right now they realize their window is a couple years down the road. They just got to worry about the Royals right now um, and, and getting into a place where they can slot in as that second best team, maybe even try and push the White Sox. So I think A.J. Hinch and that front office uh, did a great job this offseason, realizing their windows a couple years down the road. So I liked what the Tigers did, and I liked what all three of those bottom teams did going and making moves. The other teams that we consider winners were teams last year that just missed the playoffs. Uh, that includes the Mets, the Mariners, and the Blue Jays. Which one of those teams do you want to start off with? Let's start off with the Blue Jays because I think those that's a team I really like for this season. And I think I mentioned it in our record prediction. You can go watch that. But uh, I think they're one year away, not in terms of being a playoff team, but I think it'd be in a World Series contender. I think this year will provide very valuable playoff experience and they'll definitely a playoff team. I have, we both have them to win the AL East, but they added guys like Matt Ch- Chapman. They extended Brios. Uh, they signed Kevin Gosman, Kikuchi, and now they're thinking about trading for J Ram, which would be insane. Make that infield ridiculous with Matt Chapman, Boba J Ram at second and Vladdy at first and uh, Gosman. Barrios and Kikuchi, those are great guys for starting pitching. Barrios and Gosman at the top and Kikuchi for a little bit more depth. And they probably have the best uh, starting pitching depth in the league right now. And uh, they're a team to watch out for in the AL East and in the entire AL and maybe even the whole MLB. They're a team that can make a World Series run. I could 100% seeing it happen with the Blue Jays. Yeah, I think going into the offseason, a lot of teams and a lot of people expected that the Blue Jays would have one of the quieter offseasons. They'd re-sign one of Robbie Ray or Marcus Simeon, and that would kind of be it. They lost out on both of them, so it's not like they had a perfect offseason because I think you got to remember, they're losing the AL Cy Young from last year and your second best player in Marcus Simeon, who absolutely crushed in that lineup. But I think maybe they thought that the, the seasons that they put up last year were the best seasons they were going to get from Robbie Ray, Marcus Simeon. So they let him walk, didn't pay him what they were looking for. And they instead pivoted. And I th- I thought they made some great moves. Trading for Matt Chapman was very solid. Extending Barrios, who they traded for uh, at the deadline, I thought was a great move. Bringing in Gosman and Kikuchi, uh, good moves for that rotation as well. And then if they can add Jose Ramirez, I would be, I might pencil them in as the World Series favorites if they are able to bring in Jose Ramirez. Definitely, for sure. And I think that's all we have to say about the Blue Jays. Let's get into the, let's go into the Mets now. I mean, moves they made. Max Scherzer. I also had Max Scherzer as like an individual winner, because I mean he got forty three million dollars a year for what, what was it three years yep. for a thirty seven year old, and he's just about thirty eight. That's ridiculous. And as for the Mets, they guy got Scherzer. They also added Canna, Starling Marte, Chris Bassett, and Eduardo Escobar. Those are great pieces. Starling Marte will be a star in center field. Mark Canna is a guy you can kind of plug in anywhere in the outfield, also at first base for you. He'll be a solid bat, solid power bat in the lineup. Eduardo Escobar, a guy you can move all around the infield, who's a good switch hitting bat. And Chris Bassett, I mean, we thought he'd be a great three number three guy, but he might have to be the opening day starter, and he might have to be the ace for who knows how long Scherzer's out, but he might have to be the ace for a little bit for this team. Yeah, I think the number one loser of this offseason was Steve Cohen's wallet. He shelled out deals for almost everyone in free agency, and they wanted Steven Matz, too. Like they, they wanted to add Steven Matz on top of it when he – I don't I don't know exactly what word I want to use here, but when he kind of shunned them and, and went to the Cardinals instead, that was, that was it. Cohen snapped. He went out 
Scherzer, Canna, Marte, Bassett, Eduardo Escobar. That's that's an absolute haul. I mean, that's starters at two positions in or three positions in the field, as well as uh, a one starter and a three starter. And the one starter being Max Scherzer is going to be the number two eventually when Jacob Dugan comes back too. So they have in, in your mind, the two best pitchers in baseball. Now Bassett is, I would say he's almost an all-star level. I think he's absolutely above average Eduardo Escobar, same thing. Canna and Marte, I think are are two, two great options in the outfield. So absolutely stellar off season for the Mets. They're clear winners. Absolutely. And the Mets, when healthy, that's the key word, when healthy, they are also a team that can be dirty in this, in the NL East, make a push for the NL East. I did not have them winning, even though we did those assumptions that they'd be healthy, but they're a team that I can definitely see winning. Mm-hmm. And uh, it might be tough for them now, not having to Grom and who knows with Scherzer, but I still think they're a team that's dangerous in the NL and they're a team that can make a run for sure. Yeah. And the other team that and pure heartbreak missed out on the playoffs last year was the Seattle Mariners. And they responded, they clapped back saying that they want to make the playoffs this year. They signed Robbie Ray, they signed Adam Frazier. And then they, then they recently made a trade for Jesse Winker and a Eugenio Suarez. That's three starters in the field and bringing in the reigning AL Cy Young. I think that was a fantastic off season for the Mariners, a good response to how close they were last year. Yeah. The Mariners are, Team, I still do not have in the playoffs, but I think they definitely got better this season. And uh, yeah, as for team, Jesse Winker, all-star level outfielder. Aoinia Suarez, he'll put up bombs for your team. Adam Frazier, a great second baseman. Robbie Ray, the AL Cy Young winner. So that, they're, they're a team that they'll be good. I still think they're one more year away with Kellenic and, and Julio Rodriguez coming up. But uh, they're a team to watch out for the NLS. Yeah, then some, some other minor winners we had which were kind of under the radar moves that i i know i liked were the marlins they brought in jacob stallings obviously garcia jorge soler and then they extended sandy alcantara for five years 56 million dollars which you're seeing max scherzer get 43 a year for three years Uh, alcantara for five for 56 i think was an absolute steal so i liked what the marlins did they're not a team that's going to go win the nl east right now but again they're building for the future i like those moves yeah marlins Building for the future, like you said, those are all those are all good moves. Jorge Soler, great power bat. Avisela Garcia, good outfielder. Jacob Stallings will be your catcher. Alcantara extension, that's great. That that's another deal that was probably a fair price now, but definitely has the potential to be like one of the bigger underpays that we see. And uh, moving on, like you said, the Cubs, they get Marcus Stroman and uh, Seiya Suzuki, and I think those are two great picks as well. Seiya Suzuki was another guy. That I thought, I mean, they paid a lot for him, like relatively to what players normally get coming from Japan. But uh, I think that's another deal that he has that potential to play above the contract. And Marcus Stroman will be a great uh, starting rotation piece, along with Kyle Hendricks up at the top of that rotation. Yeah. And the Cubs were a team that needed to get guys to, like you said with the Rangers, put butts in seats. Uh, Stroman, he's electric. You you either love him or you hate him, but he's going to he's going to be polarizing. The Cubs kind of needed that. And say a Suzuki, it, I mean, ask the Angels what they think of Shohei Otani. And I think the Cubs, if say a Suzuki can become even half of that, a, a fantastic move. And I thought they had some other good flyers that they took, rotation fillers, depth. I thought they had a, a good offseason for a team that really I don't think anyone expected to have these big moves. So Stroman, Suzuki, I liked it. Do you want to start us off on our losers? 
for our losers, uh, we also did categories for this one. And we'll start off with the non-spenders and the teams that just didn't really do much and did not get better and maybe even got a little worse. That The teams that fit that category that we put in were the A's, the Orioles, the Pirates, the Guardians, and the Reds. And so the A's and Reds, they also didn't they were teams that got worse i'd say they they are they're trading guys a's still might trade frankie montas who knows what the reds do with castillo and and mally and potentially we have the pirates could enter this category uh of, at, in terms of trading teams if they're looking they've kind of heard rumors about brian reynolds but we'll start start it off with the a's you want to go ahead jack yeah i mean you know what we think everyone in baseball shares pretty much the same opinion about the a's it's just kind of disgusting at this point. They just don't, they're not run like a baseball organization. They trade away all their good players. It was a complete fire sale. You saw, we already mentioned Sean Manaya, but we saw Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, Chris Bassett. And they also did not sign. I, I still think they have yet to sign anyone in free agency. They, they signed, they signed Steven Boat. And I think they, uh, they re-signed, uh, oh my goodness, I'm blanking on his name. The guy that seems like he's always on the A's, he leaves the A's. Is it Jed Lowry? Jed Lowry. I think they re-signed yeah. him as well. Yeah, so they I don't know if that came before, but I, like, they have spent, I, I would bet under $10 million in free agency. And that's oh, just, that's horrible. Um, as well as trading away all of your talent. And it's, it's, it's the A's. You know what you're going to get with the A's. They're going to be a loser pretty much every offseason. Sure, they got some prospects back, but I don't even think any of them were prospects to be super excited about. So really, uh, the A's, clear losers. The Reds, pretty much the same thing. I think they realized that it's just not their time and they're going to go into a rebuild. So they traded away Jesse Winker, traded away Sonny Gray, traded away a Eugenio Suarez. If they trade off Luis Castillo or Tyler Malley, it only gets worse. Um, and they also really didn't make any moves to combat those. So they definitely got worse. They're a clear loser. Yeah, they do get Chase Petty from the Twins for that Sonny Gray trade. But the Winker uh, and uh, Eugenio Suarez trade, they didn't. I don't think they got too many notable names. No, it was, for that, it was, well. that was a bad return too. Yeah. So the Reds, I mean, Reds and A's two teams that sorry, Reds and A's fans, but your future does not look bright right now. And uh, the other teams that fit this category were the pirates, the guardians and the Orioles, just because they just didn't make many, many, if any moves team, two teams that were also on the bottom near the A's in terms of money spent this off season. So, I mean, a little disappointing for those fans, but I mean, those are two teams that are or three teams that rather that are kind of, or I guess the Orioles and Pirates more so are in a rebuild. The Guardians, you're not really sure what you're going to get with them. If they, they, trade just don't, they just don't spend money. And yeah, they, you're not. And uh, yeah, I mean, they're looking to be like a mediocre team this season. So they're not in a full rebuild yet, but maybe if they trade J-Ram, that's the direction they're headed. Yeah, it's going to suck to be Shane Bieber if they trade Jose Ramirez. The other category that we had for losers was quiet contenders, guys, teams that they're up there and they they need that extra push, I think, to win the division, win their league, maybe go win the World Series. And we just didn't see as much as we wanted or as much as we thought we were going to see for them. The four teams in this were the, were the Brewers, the Cardinals, the Astros, and maybe the Yankees. I think we have different opinions on the Yankees, which we'll get into. Let's start in the NL Central. I think it's one of the more up-in-the-air divisions in baseball, and I don't think either team did much to get 
better. The Cardinals signed Steven Matz, but outside of that, uh, a heavy lack of moves. I know they're young. I know they like their talent, but they've needed pitching for a while. They only went out and got Steven Matz. They were tied to guys like Trevor Story. They just didn't do anything more to go win that division, unseat the Brewers in the in the Central, and the Brewers got rid of JBJ, brought in Andrew McCutcheon, brought in Hunter Renfro. But other than that, still not a whole lot. And for a team that I still think might be lacking a little bit on the offensive side, that neither of those teams really did a whole lot to impress me. And I think the Central will kind of just be a rehash of what it was last year now. The, Central, the NL Central will be very similar to last year. And I think the Brewers end up winning again. The Cardinals are a somewhat closer second. But uh, yeah, for a team like the Cardinals, you're young. They won 90 games last year. It seems like like on paper, that'd be a team like, all right, let's go get some guys. Let's make a World Series push now. Like the Mariners. But yeah, they, they didn't do that. And uh, or like the Blue Jays as well. Yeah. A team that has a lot of young guys. They Cardinals even made the playoffs and they were, I mean, they lost to the Dodgers in the wildcard game. They they almost made the division series. So I, I that's the Brewers as well. A team that I'm not really sure what their future is looking like or how long this window lasts especially with the uncertainty with Christian Yelich and if he'll return to what he was and how long he'll be, be that way. But those are two Cardinals have a bright future still, but in terms of the Brewers, I don't know what their future looks like. And yeah, the central, yeah, those two teams disappointed for sure. I don't think either team got worse, but in a spot where I think they both needed to get better and I wanted to see them go out and try and get better. Neither did. And that was just a little bit disappointing. The other team is the Astros, kind of a similar spot. I know they were a little bit strapped money-wise, but they lose Correa, they lose Brooks Raley, and there's just no real additions to make up for that, like we saw with the Blue Jays who lost Ray, lost Simeon, but made other moves. So the Astros, I know they still, I think, will be in control of the AL West, and they're going to rely on guys like Bregman and Altuve to hopefully lead this team back to where it always is and, and winning the, I guess they also, I mean, they re-signed Verlander, so that's a slight win, but I, I just think they could have done more. And so I think it's a disappointing off season for a team that was in control of their division. They, you see those teams, most of the time you look at the Dodgers, um, you look at normally what the Yankees do is they are, even though they're at the top of the division, they're still striving to get better because they know people are coming for them. And like the angels and Mariners and Rangers teams are coming for the Astros and they just didn't really do much to maintain that stranglehold on the division. Yeah. Disappointing is a good word to use. And I, I think that originally it was thought that Correa was going to leave. And then we kind of heard like, it was looking like he was coming back and then he ultimately ended up leaving. So they, they definitely lose out on Correa and you're right. They didn't do really much to get better if anything, but I still think this team that controls the AL West and I think they're still going to compete for a world series in the AL. Cause I do think the AL is, it's pretty open right now. I mean, the White Sox and Blue Jays are up at the top right now, but I, I think the AL, I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees, Red Sox, Rays, or Astros come come out of the AL. So, I mean, they're still going to contend, but yeah, they the lack of moves. We kind of wanted to see them do more. Or, I mean, I don't know if we wanted to see them do more, but no, I, I'm fine <laughs> with it. It's just, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a lackluster offseason. And if they had, if they were in talks with Correa, that means yeah, they had the money to pay him at least close to what he was looking for, which means that they could have used that money on guys like Trevor Story to maybe replace him or Javier Baez or bring in a center fielder or 
bring in another batter, another arm. They, they could have made moves if they were going to even think about paying Carlos Correa. So just lackluster. Maybe they're waiting for next offseason. But for a team that's lost Correa this year, they lost Springer last year, just kind of disappointing. And they could have done more, I think. Yeah, definitely. And next team that we have different opinions on is the Yankees. I had them as, them as loser. I don't know what your thoughts are. I know it's a little different. You might not have them as a full loser. But what, what do you think about the Yankees this offseason and what they did? So I the reason I was iffy iffy was because I still think they got better. I think Donaldson helps them get better. I think Isaiah Kiner-Falefa helps them get better. But I think the reason that you could have them in a loser is because they were tied to so many more big names that they missed out on all of them. He's Corey Seager, Trevor Story, Carlos Correa, Freddie Freeman. They missed out on all of those guys. They still have yet to trade for an A's pitcher, and there's kind of only one left now that Manaya's gone and, and Chris Bassett's gone. So they, I, the reason I was hesitant to, to label the Yankees as a full loser is because I still think they got better, which I can't say about all of these teams. I definitely can't say about the Astros, but I, I think I understand. I'd probably put them like 50-50. I'd say I, I know they got better, but I still think they're a loser because of the high aspirations that they had and because of everything that Yankees fans were spewing about uh, Carlos Correa and Corey Seager and Trevor Story and Freddie Freeman. Yeah, when you're going into a offseason and you're thinking, we're getting Freddie Freeman, we're getting one of Seager, Story, or Correa, and you end up with your shortstop being, uh, you end up signing Anthony Rizzo, but your shortstop ended up being kind of Falafa. You do get Donaldson instead of Urshela. And, but I mean, Ben Rortvet and uh, Kyle, Kyle, Higashi- Kyle Higashioka, who who has been looking really good this spring. Does I he have say. seven home runs in spring training? Yeah. It's insane. He, ha- he definitely has the potential to break out for the Yankees, but you lose Gary Sanchez as well, who is a power bat, at least in that lineup. And you keep Rizzo, with, 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 which is a left-handed bat you need. But... Yeah, I, I still had the Yankees as a loser just because you're tied to all these guys and you end up getting none of them. It, that just sucks for Yankees fans because Yankees fans have such high expectations and uh, they didn't get what, what they thought they would. So I still think the Yankees are a playoff team in the AL, but they definitely had potential to become a true world or a legitimate World Series contender and maybe even favorite if they made some of the moves we thought they could in this offseason. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, it's understandable the Yankees, with the lofty expectations they had, the fallout from that kind of makes them look like losers of the offseason. I'm curious to know if you guys are on YouTube, down in the comment section, who was your biggest winner? Who was your biggest loser? If you had to pick one, Ryan, like biggest winner, biggest loser, who would, who would you have? The biggest winner. Oh, the biggest winner. I'm going to have to go with. I got to say the Mets. Yeah, I think I have to, too. Because they went from a team that missed the playoffs and they're kind of like a meme, the Mets going to met, like a team that you always think, okay, they could do something this year and they never do. But they turned into legitimate World Series contenders this year. And when healthy, I think they're one of the favorites in the NL, if it's not the Dodgers, to, to be in the World Series. And as for my biggest loser, I mean, it's hard to say anyone other than the A's and yeah, the A's fans. Gonna so, so I'm going to have to go with that them for sure because they just traded – Everyone who had potential on that team. And it's just the A's. Oh, the A's. It's the A's, yeah. I think I feel like the A's are always the front runner for offseason loser of the year. If I had to pick another team for winner other than the Mets, hmm. I'm I might go. I mean, you could say the Blue Jays, because 
of of the I think the names that they brought in, but losing C or losing Simeon and Ray, I think not cancels out, but it negates that a little bit. I might go with the Rangers. I really liked what the Rangers did. It's not going to come to fruition immediately. They're not going to be like the Mets or the Blue Jays, where you're going to see these moves poss- possibly vault them into a World Series this year. But they got guys long term deals that are going to be there in Texas, and I really like. Like you look at Seager and Simeon, but I also like the moves they made under the radar and John Gray and Mitch Garver. And one team we didn't even mention on this list at all was the Braves, who got Matt Olson. Yeah. They do lose out on Freddie Freeman, but they get Matt Olson, who's a very close and might be better long term to Freddie Freeman. And they they get Kenley Jansen. So that's a great bullpen now. So we didn't even mention them. And they're gonna be they I think they did get better this this offseason. Yeah, they they lost out on, on Jorge Soler, but they brought back Eddie Rosario. You you kind of knew that. Not they weren't going to be able to bring back all of those guys. Uh, they lost it on Jock Peterson as well, but I feel like they got the guy they wanted out of that group. Another team we could have brought up was the Phillies, which I'm kind of now thinking maybe we should have because they brought in Nick Castellanos, because they brought in Kyle Schwarber, and they brought in Corey Knebel, who I think can slot in to be a closer and and fill that bullpen that they've been trying to fix for so long. Phillies could be on this list as well. I, I feel like probably should have put them in the category of teams that just missed the playoffs. If I'm looking back at it now, I think. The one thing about the Phillies that kind of kept them off in the just missed the playoff categories is those teams, the Mets, Mariners, and Blue Jays, those are three three teams that can still, or that we think have a legitimate chance at the playoffs. And I think for the Phillies, we're kind of like, we think they can make the playoffs, but I think they're also a team that there's just so many questions with the defense and the bullpen still and the back end of their rotation. I still think they're a team that, isn't quite yet a playoff team with the moves they have on their team, but they definitely can be. And I think that's kind of what left them off the list is we couldn't, we can't, can't put everyone on here. We can't have all winners and all losers. That's true. So yeah, I, I didn't I, want to include over half the league on this list. So I think they, a team that could be considered a winner, but I think just the other teams are a little bit more of a winner and more ready to compete this year is what kept the Phillies mm-hmm. off the list. And while I like the guys they brought in, do I think that those were the best guys for the Phillies to go after? Probably not. Well, I think I would have liked a Trevor story on the Phillies much more than Castellanos or Swerber who are a lot like Reese Hoskins and like Bryce Harper's not the best out in, in right. So I think they could have got guys um, to help offensively as well as defensively. Um, maybe even going after a guy like Starling Marte early on, or I, I don't know. I think there were better guys that they could have added maybe even a Chris Bryant to pair with Bryce Harper. Cause you know that they've got the past together. Um, I just think there were maybe better fits in free agency for the Phillies. So they brought in guys that of course they add value to your team, but I, I don't know. I, I think they could have gotten maybe guys that fit their team needs a little bit more. You know kind of wrap that up with the winners and losers of the sauce season and get into our next segment of top five. And today we're going to do the top five best players to draft in your fantasy baseball league based off the ADP, the average draft position. And uh, so we each created a list. We have our top five. We ranked them as well. So we've got like one will be our best guy. I think we should go five to one on this one instead of one to five. And uh, you want to just get started? We'll trade off picks here for top five. Yeah, sounds good. So the way we looked at it, uh, we went online, just looked up fantasy baseball ADP, and there was a site that used averages across many platforms like FanDuel and ESPN and tons of different leagues. Uh, So it's going to be, I think, pretty close to the average of of draft positions uh, across all the platforms. 
And so we rank those guys. It's going to be based on value. So of course, must draft players. If you, if you can draft Juan Soto very high, of course, you're going to want a guy like Juan Soto, but these are guys that we're not going to put everyone in the first round. I tried to go um, with different guys in every round from picks closer towards the twenties to all the way down uh, in the one thirties and one forties. I'll start it off with my number five guy. It's a first baseman from the NL West. I kind of think you know where this is going. No, I'm kidding. It's um, it's actually CJ Crone. It's not Brandon wow. Bell. It's CJ Crone, wow. who as of now, his average average draft position is 134.6. So he's available late in drafts. And I, while I went with a lot of guys for standard leagues in this, I wanted to give one guy kind of a shout out for categories leagues. Um, because I think Crone is going to hit a lot of home runs. He had a great year last year. He really found his spot in Coors. OPS over 900, OPS plus at 130, 28 homers, 31 doubles, even walked 60 times. A very good season. It was a breakout season for Crone. He was a fantasy first baseman one. So if you're playing in a league, I think he was a top 10 fantasy first baseman. And I think he's a great option in those categories leagues. Like I mentioned, this season he's going behind guys like Josh Bell, Dansby Swanson, Ryan Mountcastle. I think he's a good value in the 130s. So I, I pick CJ Crone as my fifth must draft fantasy player. I thought for sure you were going to go Brandon Belt because I mean, we're in a fantasy league together and uh, you got Brandon Belt in one of the later rounds and you were, you were sitting there. We're, we're on call. You're like, oh my God, please don't take this guy. I, I can't believe okay, you fell this I, far. It's just because I know that everyone knows he's my favorite player and I've never understood why you guys don't draft him. So I have to trade for him. Because I, I, I don't want, I just don't want him. I feel like there's better options. But, anyways, that's a discussion for that. If you guys want to see our fantasy teams, I would. Be, no, no, we can. I think. I think this episode's going quickly enough. Maybe we can put. We can read through them at the end of this episode. Okay, that's that sounds good. And we, we can maybe make a little like Instagram post showing our fantasy teams as well, or, or TikTok or something like that. You guys that. Are gonna like mine way more than Ryan's. Oh my goodness, I, I made some moves already. It's season I've even started. I'm already making moves. I'm a winner of this off season for sure. But uh, at my number five. I went Corey Seager because he was going 65, 65 overall average and 41 in ESPN. And I mean, obviously fantasy defense doesn't matter. So, I mean, if you can get a Corey Seager, who's going to be an elite bat, we've seen what, what he can do in, in globe life from the 2021 playoffs. And I'll get to see it firsthand. I love that being, I'm like 20 minutes away from globe life, but uh, I think at 65 overall Seager is a great shortstop option. And I, ha- <laughs> I have a little, a little ashamed to admit in my team, I do have Corey Seager and last season. So we, we're in a dynasty league, but last season I picked him in the first round. I, I, I had a, I'd, I was, I think we have 10 players. So I, I had 10 and 11 back to back. So I picked him there. So I, I did pick him a little, a little early, but I, I wanted to make sure I got him. That's like you with Brandon Belt. I would have had to trade for him. And like, people ask me like, who's, who's untouchable on your team? I'm like, just Seeger. I'm not trading him, but uh, that's my number five. Corey Seeger. I think he's a great option. Great bat. He's going to hit a lot of, he's going to, he can hit for power. He'll get a lot of like doubles and hit for average as well, especially for the Rangers. Well, he'll be the star on that team. We should have cross-checked lists. We shouldn't have kept it secret. Um, I have Corey Seeger on my list as well. I'll just talk about him here. He was my number three guy. And then you can go with your four and I'll go with my four. I agree. I think Corey Seager is a fantastic option. When healthy, he's one of the best shortstops in fantasy. Last year, he only played 100 games, but he still had a 3.7 war season. He hit over 300, 16 homers, 22 doubles, a 145 OPS plus, 
Statcast loves him. If he gets a, he, I mean, he played a hundred games and he would, that was considered a hurt season. So I think if he plays over 130, plays over 140, he's going to be a great fantasy option. Average 2.9 fantasy points a game last season. That's alongside the likes of Luis Robert, Mookie Betts, Manny Machado, Rafael Devers. And as of right now, he's going as the 10th shortstop off the board. I'm pretty sure he's going to be better than that come the end of the season. So at the 65th pick, you can pass up on those guys early. You can pass up on Trey Turner in the first round. You can pass up on uh, Fernando Tatis even because he's injured. I think there's a lot of guys that you can move on from and take other positions, take pitchers early, and then bring Corey Seager in and around the sixth round. I think that's a really good move. Who's your fourth guy? My number four was a guy from the AL Central who's going to be who just got announced that he made the opening day roster in Bobby Witt. Wow. Bobby Witt, he was going 100 overall average and 136 in ESPN. And I have him in our league. I think Bobby Witt, he's a guy who will make an impact right away. I really like Bobby Witt. And I think he'll be even not just like keeper of Dynasty League, which is what we're in. Even for a league that's this year, Bobby Witt's a guy that you need to go after. Bobby Witt will be very good this season. He's going to hit it. Yeah. He's going to hit at the top of that lineup. He's going to be great. He, if he plays for a while, I think he can be a clear AL rookie of the year favorite Bobby Witt. Great pick, especially if he's going in the one hundreds. Uh, and if you're on ESPN, you're getting him in the one thirties. I think that's a great move. And if it's a dynasty league, it's even better. My number four is the guy that you forgot from the Padres rotation. And that's Joe Musgrove with an ADP average ADP of 74 he's had a big breakout in 2021 3.18 era 3.7 fip over 200 strikeouts he was a high pitcher too i think he was in the 10 to 15 range in fantasy the padres are going to win a lot of games i think he's the pitcher that you want i don't think blake snell is going to give you quite as many innings i don't really trust you darvish this season so i think musgrove is the guy that you settle on in the middle He's going as the 25th pitcher off the board. So he's a good down the board option if you want to take hitters early and punt pitchers a little bit down the line, or he's a great option to stack on top of some high level arms. If he's your pitcher four or pitcher three, I think that's tremendous value. So Joe Musgrove at ADP of 74 is my, is my fourth guy. My number three was a guy who has a little bit of versatility in terms of positions he could play outfield and the infield. And I think it's, I think it was probably only infield is second base, but I was very surprised that he was going this slow. I think I know who it is. You want to take a guess? Is it Cattell Marte? It is not. It's oh, not wow. Cattell Marte. I've got Kike Hernandez. Hmm. He was going 235. Wow. And I think for a guy's first, first style, I mean, he'll, he'll be a decent at the very least bench option. And like, he was just a guy I'm scrolling down. 235 is just insane. If you're in like a 12 man league, that's a very late, very great late round pick or even 10 man getting towards like the very end. That's a great option who can, can you can plug and play anywhere if guys get hurt or just off days in general. I think KK Hernandez, I was just surprised to find him that low and I just felt like I had to include him in this list. Yeah, especially if you're playing in a 12 or 15 or 14 man league, you chase that versatility as well. Kike, one of the more versatile players in baseball, had a great postseason. Hopefully he continue that. He'll probably not play very much infield this season because they brought in Trevor Story. But if he's an outfielder, I think he's a good bench bat, good option to if he starts to play a little bit more, he can be a, a starter in a deeper league. He he does already have that second base qualification, though, because it doesn't matter yeah, about this season. I, I, don't, I think depending on there. the league, that, that might 
I think they can get taken away midseason. I'm not completely sure. Don't quote me on that. But if it doesn't, even better. My or so my third was Corey Seager. So my second guy is the highest ADP I have on this list, and that's Shane Bieber with an ADP of 25. He's my fifth best pitcher in baseball, and if you're getting him at pick 25, I think that's he can be a league winner, a fantasy ace. So Cy Young in 2020, we all know that. Fantastic in 2021, when healthy. Only got 16 starts, but still a 3.170 RA, 3.03 FIP, even with an abnormally high batting average on balls in play against him. Last year, his game average in fantasy was similar to Julio Urias, Kevin Gosman, and even Brandon Woodruff, who was one of the highest scoring fantasy pitchers in baseball. And this year, he's going as the eighth pitcher. So if you want to take him in the early third round, you want to go hitters early and then get Shane Bieber, a guy who was going easily in the first round last year, fantastic value. Uh, or if you take him in the late second round, uh, I think another fantastic pick. If I think he's easily a fantasy ace. And even if you don't want to take him as a fantasy ace, if he's your number two pitcher, that's just filthy. For my number two, this is a guy that you have on your team, actually. And I was surprised to find, find him so low. Another shortstop, Brandon Crawford. At 200, 203rd overall. And 213 in ESPN. Yeah, I mean, I this was guy, crazy. This is a guy who was third in MVP voting last year. Third in, I mean, I get it. He's aging, so we don't... I, I personally don't expect him to put up those great numbers again. But for 203rd overall, that's great value. Another backup type shortstop who you could throw in for injuries and off days. And I, I just saw great value there. 203rd overall for a potential MVP candidate type player. If the Giants put up another crazy season, he'll be a good big reason why. But 203rd overall, I think that was just too much too low to ignore. So I had to throw him on this list. Yeah, I like the Brandon Crawford pick. That's why I was surprised he was available come my spot in the draft. I, I was as well. Was- definitely gone by then so the fire trucks are going on in the background um but one another guy that he's not i didn't put him on my list but he was one of the guys i kind of thought about putting on my list and he's in the same range as crawford is willie adamas a guy who had a very similar season and and that was even with having to start the season in the trop which he's always struggled in went to milwaukee and he was absolutely fantastic broke out i think he can have an even bigger year this year because he's playing in milwaukee the full season he's also in that same range i don't remember exactly what his adp was i'll look it up maybe uh later before we go up to our teams but same range my number one guy is an outfielder who had a fantastic breakout season last year he was the third highest scoring outfielder in 2021 in fantasy and yet his adp is at 87.6 that is brian reynolds of the pittsburgh pirates he he had tremendous success expected stats still back him up Xwell in the 91st percentile, expected batting average 94th percentile. He plays well in almost every single category. He hits for average, hits for power. He's still, he's pretty good uh, sprint speed, good walk rate, a fantastic player. Like no one's going to doubt he's a great player, but being the third highest scoring fantasy outfielder last year behind, I don't remember who the other guys were. I think it was Soto and Harper and then Brian Reynolds. And he's going in the eighth round, almost at pick 87. If you're playing in a 10 man league, He's going behind guys like J.D. Martinez, Whit Merrifield, Jazz Chisholm, Adabelto Mondesi. I don't. I think that's fantastic value. He's the number one guy on my list. I'd, I'd take Brian Reynolds in the third or fourth round if that's where his ADP was. And the fact he's going at pick 87, that's fantastic value. Yeah, 
my number one pick, I guess it's a little boring. I went for a guy. I mean, I'm going to give a, give it away here, but he's going to miss the first month of the season and his ADP. I was surprised to find at 35 in ESPN. Wow. Ronald Acuna. And I mean, he's an MVP candidate when healthy. We saw it last year. ADP is 35 on ESPN. He is. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I know he's missing the first, I mean, he'll miss the first like three weeks this season, but even then he he still might win MVP, even just missing only three weeks. He can still go out and play 120 ish games. I mean, Acuna, that's just, I, I, I was, it, I mean, it's 12 overall, but to find him at 35 in ESPN was just crazy to me because he, he's one of the best players in the MLB and he's definitely my, on my, he'd be on my top five list. Probably. I, I wouldn't be for sure on that, but I, I would probably put Acuna in my top five players in the MLB right now and to find him at 35, even though he's missing a season and coming off an ACL with the DH, it'll help him help ease him back. I think he's a guy, if he falls down to the second round, that's I'm taking him in the second round of any league. Yeah, that's that's absolutely crazy. I, I think he's an option at the end of the first round. Even a guy like like Mike Trout's, I think, average ADP is, is 10. I don't think we would ever have expected that at this age in his at this age for him. So I don't know. There's a lot of guys. This is we only mentioned five each. There's so many fantasy sleepers. But Ronald Acuna at pick 33 on ESPN is, is absolutely wild. I'm trying to find Willie Adamas's average. Um because I mean he's going behind Dansby Swanson even uh, and Chris Taylor. His ADP is 134.8. So I think Willie Adamas, that's if I had to throw one more name on that list. There were a couple more that I had that, that I left off the list. Um, if I was going first round too, I think the guy that I would have picked is Bryce Harper. I think his ADP is eight or nine. I From the season he had last year, from what we've been seeing in spring training, we could see another MVP season from Bryce. So if you're picking at five or six and – you know, Soto is off the board and Trey Turner. And I guess we're doing a dynasty league. So we really haven't drafted in a startup league this year. Um, but I think Harper's a good pick in the first round. There's so many sleepers out there. I could be naming them all day. Yeah, those are our top five. We were kind of looking for worse, like five guys to avoid. We couldn't really find much, so we didn't want to force it. But yeah, I I had like 10 guys originally who could be on this list for top five to draft. There's, like you said, there's so many sleepers. Or like guys that you think can break out. But I had to narrow it down to five. There are some other guys that I really like. But yeah, those are our top five guys that you should be drafting if you get the chance based on ADP in your fantasy leagues. And just trying to get you guys ready for the season to start later this week, which which I'm excited for. And uh, I know we're excited with our fantasy teams uh, should we reveal our teams now or should we just wait for it to make it a graphic? What do you think? No, well, I'll, I'll put, I'll try and put it up on the screen as well. Um, here mm-hmm. if, if I right. can. Um, and then the best thing to say about the must draft players is now that you know, the ADPs, like you can plan around it. If you're planning on taking a pitcher in the first round, you can say, but wait, I can take Shane Bieber at pick 25. Or if you're going to take a shortstop early, you can take Corey Seager at 65. So I think that's kind of the best part we can go through. Um, my team, we had keepers. I think I had, a great stable of keepers last year. I've traded one of them to Ryan actually, which we can get into after I just kind of read off my team. Um, my catcher, Tyler Stevenson, we've got Jared Walsh at first, Simeon at second, Devers at third, Wander Franco at short, Brandon Lau at second slash short, Alex Bregman at first slash third, Mike Trout, George Springer, Byron Buxton, Tyler O'Neill, and Trent Grisham. On my bench, I've got Brandon Crawford, Brandon Bell, Adley Rutschman, and Alex Kirilov. 
And for my pitching, I've got Lucas Giolito, Brandon Woodruff, Robbie Ray, Dylan Cease, Pablo Lopez, Framber Valdez, Marcus Stroman, Camilo Doval, Jose Barrios, John Means, and then Tyler Glasnow on the IL. I like my team. That, it is a good team, I will admit. And I was looking through all the teams, and I'd, I'd say you, you're probably one of the teams to beat this season. But I, li- I like me, my team as well. And I'll read through my team and tell you these two two big moves I made already. Winner of the offseason, like I mentioned. Catcher, I got Kiebert Ruiz. He's good. I mean, I mean, catcher is not the most most important fantasy, but I guess I won't break down all of these. But Kiebert Ruiz, a catcher. Freddie Freeman at first. Jonathan India second. Chris Bryant, third base. He could also play outfield. Corey Seager at short. Bobby Witt at second base slash, slash shortstop. Jake Cronenworth at first slash third. Randy Rosarena, Seiya Suzuki, Yelich, Dylan Carlson, Jesse Winker, Reese Hoskins, Ronald Acuna, Eloy Jimenez, Spencer Torkelson, and Fernando Tatis. I like uh, it. I, my, I like my, the moves you made. No, I think I, I think I won our trade, but. Uh, okay, whatever. And Julio Rios' pitcher, Gosman, Nola, Flaherty, Luis Garcia, Casey Mize, Noah Syndergaard, John Gray, and Shane McClanahan. And I, I picked up Mike Soroka for the IL. He's more, I mean, I don't know if he'll pitch it all this year. Or, I mean, he will come back. He'll come back later, though. He's more of a keeper pick for next season, I would say. And I'll have some more space once Acuna and Tatis get officially put on the aisle to start the season and Flaherty. Put those guys in the aisle. I'll be able to pick up some guys off my bench. But the moves I made, I want to talk about. I traded Jack. I've got the trade details right here. I traded for Freddie Freeman. Yep. Freddie Freeman and Noah Syndergaard for Jared Walsh and Jose Brios. Tell us, tell us who won that trade in the comments. I'd, I'd love to hear an outside opinion. I'll but tell I you think, who won the trade. I think I won the trade. I think I got better. I think, yeah, you definitely got better. I think both of us got better. I feel like I got a little bit better value um, in two guys in Jose Brios and Jared Walsh second slot in my starting lineup. I really needed pitching. I had a lot of guys that I believed in, like Dylan Cease, Pablo Lopez, Fran Valdez that I drafted. But I only kept two pitchers in Lucas Giolito and Brandon, or no, three, Giolito, Woodruff, and Ray. And I think bringing in Jose Barrios is one of the safer pitchers in fantasy. I really like that trade that I made. Um, it sucked giving up Freddie Freeman, but I also kind of threw you a gift. I have first baseman that I like. Um, and I think that first base is a position that you can find a lot easier than an A starting pitcher. Yeah, I needed Freddie Freeman because all I had was Seeger and uh, Acuna at this time. I'll talk about my next move. You can kind of figure out who, who that is. You didn't have but a Dodger I- either. I, I didn't have a I had Julio Rios pitching, but I didn't I did not have a Dodgers position player. And so I felt like I needed to make a move for another star hitter. And so I got that. I did give up Rios, but I like I also had Luis Castillo at this time who I moved on. So I felt like I had enough pitching depth and I got Syndergaard back, who has potential to be pretty good. I, I expect a good season out of Syndergaard. And then the other move I made was I traded. This was a big one. I traded. Uh, Cedric Mullins, Javi Baez, and Luis Castillo. So those three guys. And I got back Tatis, Shane McClanahan, and Jesse Winker. McClanahan has a lot of potential. He's still young. Jesse Winker, all-star level outfielder. And Tatis, he'll be out for two and a half months, I think. But Mm -hmm. when he's healthy, he's one of the best players in the league. And so I think long-term, I won that trade as well. I yeah, I'm up. not going to want to face your team next year or later this year when Acuna and, and Tatis are healthy because one at one week at a time, they can put up 100 points together. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think maybe now, first few weeks, I've got a lot of question marks with 
Bobby Witt, uh, Seiya Suzuki, and Yelich. I've got some question marks there, but I think those three guys, if they break out, I mean, my team is just insane. Like my team is a team that has a lot of potential. And I, I like that. And then there's also the sure guys like Acuna, Tatis, and Freddie Freeman. Corey Seager as well. That will give me, and I've got some, still some decent pitching depth. I did give up some of my depth, but I still got some good pitchers. Soroka, when he comes back, McClanahan could, could be good. We talked about John Gray potentially having a breakout season. Syndergaard could be good. Mize long-term. But I like my team as well. Let us let us know which team you guys like better and who won that trade down below. But uh, I think it'll be a fun year for fantasy baseball. It'll be fun to get into it and be able to like watch watch games together and kind of like have a little competition with it. It'll be a it'll be a fun season. Yeah, Ryan and I are in the same division too in our league. And last mm-hmm. year it was a it was it was a battle in some of our matchups. And I ended up I think taking the division. But who knows? Maybe once Acuna Tatis come back, you can you can make a run for it. Yeah, I didn't I didn't have Acuna for the second half of the season last year, so I was I was working without without Acuna. Yeah, so he was like my only star at that point. Maybe next year we can do. A, a a double play podcast league with the fans. Who knows? Yeah, that, if that's in, a, if that's that's in the books. I'd love to do that. Mm-hmm. All right. So, you, you said you wanted to try the outro. Are you first prepared? Time. First time I am prepared. So if you guys like this video, if you're on YouTube, make sure you leave us a like, comment down below, subscribe. Let us know what you want to see, what you liked from this video. If you guys are on Apple or Spotify podcasts, please consider following the show and giving us a five-star review. And uh, follow our socials down below. That's the best way you could stay up to date with everything that we're doing. We bring like exclusive content and news from our Twitter, TikTok, and like different graphics and stuff that also has our football show on the Instagram. So that's something you guys want to follow. It's all down below. Website, I think, is in the description, I believe. Yep. And uh, yeah, I I think I covered everything. First, I think that was a good, that that was a spot on. Yes. And it's good because right. then we get to throw in the plugs and, and just tell them that it's your first time practicing. Yeah, exactly. First time. Go follow down below. We have a lot of great content. So uh, until next time, we've been the Double Play Podcast. Thank you guys for listening.